back after about a three-week hiatus duncan and stuff podcast is back with me duncan alexander your host with the most i want to say why i missed a few episodes some of you might have known that my birthday was the last week weekend of may so i was not able to record a podcast because i tried to do it in person and i came uh, across some snafus if you will uh it was harder to record a podcast in person than i thought it was going to be with a guest so lesson learned i cannot record a in-person podcast quite yet. I'm still working on getting some equipment to allow that to be possible. The following week, I had an issue with my dog, Bishop. Some of you also might know that he was uh, attacked or bit or he had a kind of a run-in with a mean dog at the dog park and uh, he was in a lot of pain and it was just emotionally really hard for me because I'm not used to seeing that. Everything is okay though. He's fine. Uh, The vet that we went to was awesome. So all that is good. The next couple of weeks, I was just being kind of a dick and I'm sorry for that. So now I'm going to start making a plan so that ahead of time, I have a podcast already ready to go in the can instead of waiting till the last minute. Moving on, I want to take some time right now to say thank you to Vital for You and Matt, who was the guest on my last uh, podcast. They were just amazing. Matt was awesome, really helping me push the podcast on all the social media channels that he's on. Vital for You ran a contest on the podcast and it turned out awesome. There was a lot of really good feedback about that interview. Matt was just an awesome guy. I was really happy to have him on the podcast. But I do want to say that I had recorded a podcast previous to this about a lot of the stuff that's going on with Trump and I went back and I listened to it and it just seemed really sporadic. And the reason it seemed really sporadic is because I think that right now America, everybody feels a little sporadic with everything that's going on with Trump, with the Paris Climate Agreement, with this whole Russia thing, with everything about this wall, about immigration, and it just... I really wanted to dive into all that stuff, but I just had to take a step back and say, I can't do that quite yet just because it makes me feel kind of schizophrenic and a little depressed. So this week instead, what I decided to do is I decided it was something that I should really talk about, which is uh, Pride Week and Pride Festival. It's something that's really important to me. Particularly, I have a lot of gay people in my life. I do have a few lesbians in my life. And I also have some friends that are transitioning. And it's something that I feel really ignorant about and very almost shame to say, just uninformed about. To start off with like my personal experience with the gay community, with or should I say the LGBTQ community. Growing up, my grandmother uh, is a lesbian, and I'm not even sure I feel comfortable qualifying her in that way. It's just that my grandma always had a life partner. She always had this woman named Sue, and it was never a strange thing to me. It was never weird. It was never odd. I'm not even sure when the conversation happened when I was a kid. Like, what is that all about? I might have said something along the lines of, are grandma and Sue married? And I think my mom might have just said like, yeah, that's just another option on the uh, multiple choice of love that you get to choose in your life. It's just the way it is. And I don't want to say that it's a choice or it's a lifestyle, but it's just another way that it is. It didn't destroy my life. It didn't make me go batshit crazy. And one of the things that I really struggle with, with people who are just against gay people lesbian, transgender people is that they say like, what are we going to tell the kids? What are we going to tell your kids? And it's like, well, you're a parent, so you're probably going to have to be a parent and just make it really simple and say they're in love. It doesn't have to be any harder than that. Kids pick up on what you give them and they learn from what it is that you show them. So if you 
show them hate, if you show them fear, then they're going to pick up on that. But if you just say, yeah, they're just in love, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It doesn't. Kids aren't going to go crazy and lose their minds like, oh my God, two same-sex people are together and oh my God. No, they're not going to do that. What they're going to do is they're going to say, oh, okay. And then they're going to be like, that's shiny. Look, I made a mud pie or whatever it is that kids do today. I tweeted, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't spend a lot of time around kids, so I don't know what they do nowadays. If You don't have to make it this big, crazy thing. It's just you'll tell them that they're in love and kids will accept it because that's what kids do. It's only when you interject your fear, your prejudice, that then they pick up on it. And it just, it pains me. It pains me to think that there's so many people on this planet and in this country in particular, because we're not going to get into like the planet because other countries treat gay people way worse. It pains me that in this country, how far we've come and yet how far we have to go. I wanted to kind of talk about pride particularly because I think that this is a really interesting time in the uh, the gay community in around Pride Festival, mainly because this year, the Pride organizers, they decided that it was best to do a march. And you can go to their website, resistmarch.org. I'll put a link in the description of the episode. And you can see kind of like the idea. I mean, the march has already happened. It was today. You can see kind of the idea, which is that they need to find a balance between resistance and celebration. And the reason that this is, is because there's so many people in this country that want them to not have the same rights as we do. And they want to hide behind the religion. And I think this is ridiculous. And I'll get into that. And I'm not trying to say that people who are religious are ridiculous. I think that religion has a really good part to play in a society. But I think that when you start using your religion as a weapon against other people, that is problematic. And it's really fucking pisses, pisses me off that people will use the words of like, say, quote unquote, Jesus or any other Messiah and say, yeah, this guy that talked about love and accepting and forgiveness would totally just want you to hate all these people and say that they're sinners and yell crazy stuff and show up at like funerals and celebrations and protest them because that's batshit crazy. That doesn't even like that doesn't even make sense when you. Ah, God. Okay, I'm getting off topic. So let's get back to Pride. In the beginning, Pride was initially organized by three guys. Securing this permit so that they could do a a march or, if you will, like a festival was incredibly difficult. In fact, one of the organizers recalled that the L.A. Los Angeles Police Department chief, Edward Davis, had told him, as far as I'm concerned, granting a permit to a group of homosexuals to parade downtown Hollywood Boulevard would be the same as giving a permit to to a group of thieves and robbers. Now, this was in 1970, but that sentiment still lives on today, and a lot of people still feel that way, and it is absurd and dangerous to quantify a group of people who just want to be allowed to love openly and be accepted by the society in which they live in. It's dangerous to have this mindset still prevailing today, and I think that there's a problem in this country where we think, oh, well, gays can get married, or... You know, this like the mindset of like what happened when Obama got elected. People were like, oh, Obama got elected. Racism's over. Not the fucking case, white America. My counterparts out there, the white straight guys who are out there thinking that just because certain rights have been given, that that means the battle is over for these people. And it's not true. People are constantly berated and bullied and pressured and assaulted and made to feel terrible because of their sexual orientation, race, just their gender. And it's a problem. 
And this is why I think things like the Pride Festival are incredibly important, kind of goes hand in hand with like the Black Lives Matter movement, the Women's March. Those things are incredibly important because they're trying to show us that the fight for a lot of these people is not over. It's a day to day struggle. It just it really sucks. Today is, um, let's see here, today is the 11th of June. A year ago, the Pulse nightclub shooting happened. I'll be honest, this was kind of a wake-up call to me. I remember it really like affected me in a weird way because it was a group of people who were just trying to have fun, trying to cut loose and enjoy their lives in an open and free society. And they were brutally attacked for that. I think the thing that really struck me was that my older brother is gay and he's been out for of out of the closet which is such a weird thing to say but he's been he's been openly gay since uh, you know when I was in high school so back in like 2004 I thought about this shooting when it happened and I just thought there are so many people in this country who idly stand by with their hate in the back of their mind and their prejudice and it only takes a little bit to make these people act on that and then do something as devastating as what happened in Orlando. It sucked because I just thought of all those people who had died and it could have easily have been my brother. It could have easily have been in New York City where he lives. It could have easily have been somebody on the subway who just for some crazy reason thought, you know, this guy's a gay guy and I want to kill him just for that. I want to destroy his lifestyle for whatever reason. I don't know. It really got to me. It really just, I'm lucky because I'm, I am a straight guy and I've never really had to think about it. And it's a lot of you out there might be like, well, Duncan, you know, this kind of stuff has been happening all the time. And you're right. It has been. And I've been idly sitting by and being stupid and willfully ignorant of the fact that this is a thing that people that I care about deal with every day. This type of fear, this type of just blatant hatred for no other reason than their sexual orientation. So the reason that this is crazy is like to bring it back to pride. So the police commissioner said this, they had initially granted the permit for pride uh, in Los Angeles in 1970 in June. And the fees for the permit came to $1.5 million. That's how they were going to try to make it so that it wouldn't happen. The American Civil Liberties Union stepped in and they were able to get the fees dropped down to $1,500, which was the appropriate fee amount. California Supreme Court then ordered that the police provide protection as they would for any other group. And this is insane because you think that the police basically would have said, like, no, we're not going to protect them, which is absurd. And yeah, we've come a long way and that that kind of stuff explicitly isn't happening, but it's become almost more secretive where it's underlying kind of, you know, where these types of things, this type of blatant disregard for the respect and dignity of other people's lives is it's there. And I, you know, I, we were talking about Orlando earlier and I want to say that like the first responders there, they showed up and who knows, like, you know, we've come a long way, but like, I don't want to get too crazy into speculating, but maybe in 1970, they wouldn't have showed up and we have come a long way. But the fact that there are still people out there who willfully and so passionately would have carried out such a crime shows that we still have a long way to go. You know, getting this first pride festival was dangerous. Morris Knight, one of the the founders of the group that put on the first Pride Festival recalls having death threats up to the morning of the first parade. And that's in, that's insane. Death threats. For what? For for loving somebody? Where does this ethos come from? Where does this crazy, like almost like fever pitch of like people who are like saying that God doesn't want gay people to be living on this planet or doesn't want them to be openly gay? You know, it's like they become it used to be like God hates fags. And now it's like the senators out there are saying things like, well, you know, they can have the same rights, but they can't get married. 
And this is crazy. And a lot of these senators quote misleading studies. And one of these studies that I found actually was just absurd, was authored by University of Texas sociologist Mark Ridges. Ridges? Ridges? Um, I'll put a link to him so that you can see what I'm talking about. But the study was called, How Different Are Adult Children of Parents Who Have Same-Sex Relationships? And he had concluded that children of gay parents fare worse than children raised by married opposite-sex parents. And this this study is so absurd. It gets into the crazy thing, saying that children who have gay parents are like worse off economically, are more likely to commit crime, more likely to get addicted to drugs, more likely to do ha- uh, have learning disabilities, all these crazy things, right? Well, that study came out. Uh, sociologists came out and were like, that's absurd. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Your study is full of holes. It's totally erroneous. And they just combated this guy's study. So we have Professor Simon Cheng uh, of University of Connecticut and uh, Professor Brian Powell of Indiana University. They came and said that this study suggests that there was a significant amount of misclassified children who had been raised by same-sex households. They concluded that there were minimal differences in the outcome of children raised by same-sex parents and or married couples uh, married opposite sex parents. The reason that you get into this is they had some like people who were in the poll that, from the original study who had responded with things that were so blatantly suspicious, such as a 25-year-old man who had reported that his father had had a romantic relationship with another man and had reported that the man was 7 feet 8 inches tall and weighed 88 pounds was married eight times and had eight children. One of the other examples of erroneous statements was a respondent claiming that they had been arrested at the age of one. Yeah, at the age of one. That's just crazy. Once they actually dove into this study, they were able to find that you were left with out of the 236 respondents identified in the study, that only 51 of them could have possibly been coded as being raised for at least a year in the same-sex couple household. That means that this study was completely erroneous. It was based on f- like false data. And that the conclusion that this man came up with, this uh, professor, if you can call him Mark, was ridiculous. It was so filled with holes. It was so crazy. It had absolutely no statistical power to be used in any sort of way as an analysis as what actually happens with children in same-sex families. It was almost negligent on his part to post this study and say that he had found these differences. And yet senators and people alike hear these types of this type of data that like, oh, you know, People who have gay parents, they're not as well off. They're just not as good. They're not as great. Their life is harder. They don't have as much money. They're you know, they economically stagnant. And these things just aren't true. It's, it's very similar to me to a study that I get so fucking pissed at, which is a study that came out in the 80s that said that kids who get vaccines are more likely to develop autism, which is so crazy that people still think that that's real because that study has been debunked. And yet people... 30 years later, still say that kind of stuff. And it's like, where are you? What universe are you living in? I reached out to some of my um, closer friends on like Instagram and on Twitter, Snapchat, whatever, whatever have you. Some of my gay and lesbian friends. And I just asked them, you know, like, what does pride mean to you? Like, what has it been like to you to be part of this community? One of my friends had responded, Pride is awesome. Visibility is extremely important. And being trans has been, has really opened my eyes to how terrible women are treated in America. Honestly, being around like minded people is so liberating. This is one of the things that a friend of mine who's transitioning said. 
I'm going to keep the names private just because I don't want any of them to get like harassed or I, you know, I just don't want any sort of privacy issues. But that quote there was a really important one to me because it was talking to a friend of mine who's transitioning and that when he was going through the transition, he realized that women, not just straight or lesbian, but like women in general in America are treated really badly. And also that pride is awesome because being around like-minded people suggests that it's there's a community there that's really open and welcoming. And that to me is something that I think is very important about pride because there's so much, I mean, we even have a term for it, coming out of the closet. Coming out of the closet is a a statement in which we say like, oh, when did you come out of the closet? It's almost become kind of this, like the zeitgeist of like, oh, that's just a thing. But what we're saying there is that somebody had to live in secret, completely hidden from the world for a certain amount of time before they were allowed to openly express who they were, whether because of fear of retribution from their family or their community, or whether it's fear of themselves. It's that they can't be openly honest with the people around them about who they are. And we have a term for it coming out of the closet. And I just, I thought that was really powerful. Uh, another friend of mine wrote, coming out is a hard thing to do. Coming out to yourself is the hardest part. Once you found love and acceptance for yourself and who you are, those in your life will see you smile and love you even more. The, re- the rest becomes a walk in the park. Pride Month is a time for us to just do that. Proud. <laughs> Proud of who we are. Happy with who we are. Happy with having so much love and support from those around. A time to celebrate and have fun. A time to for us to relax and be ourselves. This was a kind of like a good thing for me to read because it was talking about like relaxing and being yourself and being able to relax. I, I thought that was so crazy because as a straight guy, I never feel stressed about my sexual escapades if you will. I never feel uh, stressed out about, you know, my sex life. And yet there is a vast majority of people walking around in this country who do that just every day. They're stressed about their sex life. They're stressed about their sexual orientation. They're stressed about what the people around them will think. They're stressed if whether or not they're the only one going through this. It's even crazier for me to think about young children who are going through this alone. They have nobody to talk to. And it's so insane to me. It's like, what do they have to look forward to if we continue to verbally batter and even physically assault the adults in our community who are openly gay, lesbian, trans? What do the young kids who are going through this have to look forward to? And it's like all these people, I don't want to just say Republicans, but people who want to say that, you know, gays shouldn't be allowed to have certain rights. And then they say, like, well, think about the children. But are you thinking about the children? Are you thinking about the children who are going through this right now, who are gay and lesbian, who are feel trapped inside of a body that's not their own? Could you imagine what kind of torment that could be? I can't even imagine that. I can say it, but I can't imagine it. I can't. I'm a guy and I go through stress of being a guy, but I can't imagine being a man and knowing that I was a woman and be feeling trapped. And yet these people will stand on this, this cliche of think about the children. And it's almost as if they are completely, it's lost on them that they, there are a lot of children who are going through this type of stuff right now. And yet they just don't seem to care. Another one of my friends said that I think that a huge part of the community for me are the allies, the people who aren't queer and still support equality. My friend Friends and my family never treated me different or loved me less. And that was a huge deal when I was coming out. I'm grateful every day for their love and support. And that was a family member. And I just, I thought that that was really powerful to me because I often feel like I'm not doing enough for my brother, for my grandma, for my cousins, for anybody I know, my friends. I have so many friends that have come out to me or who are already out. And it's just crazy to me because I always feel guilty. Like, you know, I have it so easy. And yet 
I realized that just by being open and supportive, that's doing more than some of the other people in the country. And I think that we have a lot that we can learn from that is that you don't have to go out there and say like, okay, I support the gay lifestyle. That means I'm going to go to the parade and I'm going to wear a rainbow t-shirt and I'm going to totally go all in and, you know, everything's totally, I'm going to be the gayest supporter ever. No, it's like, all you have to do is be courteous and kind to other human beings for no other reason that then that's what's right to do. You don't have to quantify their sexual orientation or their gender to give them just basic human decency. I uh, I had another quote from a friend of mine who I had reached out to who said, you know, that coming out was made easier because at the time he wasn't out to his family, but he had moved in with us and he had seen the group of people that I was living with were just open and supportive of it. And we didn't really, I don't want to say we didn't care, but it's just that we didn't care if he was gay. It just doesn't matter. And that made it easier for him to come out. And I thought that that was a really powerful statement as well. The last, um, quote because I don't want to do all quotes but I had reached out to my older brother and I just asked him like you know like what do you think about pride like what is it is there something that you wanted to you know say about this and I actually am going to quote him directly and use his name my brother Oz Skinner uh, said that there's a serious conversation that is happening right now in the community about resistance versus celebration and I think it is important for gay white men in particular to wrestle with the idea of institutional racism is something that still affects the gay community. And that calls for resistance marches like what's happening in Los Angeles. It requires conversation and scrutiny and a coalition to be built. And I think that what he's saying here is that racism, institutional racism, is something that affects people of different races, yes. And I think that people who are of a different race and also who are gay suffer kind of like a double-edged sword here where they're not only getting scrutinized because of their sexual orientation, but they're also being institutionally held down because of their race. And that's really problematic for a large portion of the gay community. That is exactly how I feel about it when I read that statement is that there is a kind of a cross pollination section of the community and the gay community that not only has to deal with being gay, but also has to deal with being a racial minority and that that's something that the gay community has to really combat and come together and try to help because it's something that is problematic um moving on so i i I did a lot of like research that was just i wanted to know so much data about this and so i looked into this because i was just curious like what does america think and in 2001 so this would have been my freshman year in high school in 2001 the pew research center did a, a a poll where they had polled americans and how they felt about same-sex marriage. And Americans opposed same-sex marriage by a margin of 57 to 35. That means 57% of Americans in 2001 opposed same-sex marriage, while as 35 supported it. In 2016, 55% of Americans supported same-sex marriage, while 37 opposed it. Now, this is awesome. You can see that there's just this flip-flop over like 15 years. This is great there's still a large way to go. And these numbers also, we see these numbers reflected in other things. We see some of the data from the Pew Research Center saying that United States adults, 49% say that businesses that provide wedding services such as catering or flowering should be required to to provide those services to same-sex couples as they would to any other couple. Whereas 48% of Americans, adults, say that businesses should be able to refuse services to same-sex couples if business owners have a religious objection to homosexuality. Now, the reason that I think that this is problematic is that the United States doesn't have a state religion, and yet we make laws that are hiding behind the guise of religious freedom that discriminate against people. This number really sucks. 
48% of Americans, come on guys, what the fuck? 48% of adults out there, that means, that is, that's one in two people, adults. That means that if you have a room full of your friends, 50% of them statistically are likely to disagree with the idea of having somebody who provides wedding services be required to provide them for everybody, no matter what. What the fuck? What is that? Why? I, I just don't even understand that. It's like, okay, yes, be religious. Your business should not be allowed to invoke your religious beliefs onto me because of my l life. I just, I think that's crazy. And people get all batshit up in arms because of Sharia law. That's the thing. People always get crazy because they're like, Sharia law is crazy. People got no rights. And yet in this country, we have things like Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And that's in almost 21 states. And that those types of laws are the types of laws that allow people to be openly discriminated based on religion. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't just boil your water or grind your espresso or grind your gears or whatever it is, if that doesn't, if that does not piss you off, I don't know what will. And a fun fact, the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act dates back to 1990, where the Supreme Court ruled against an Oregonian named Al Smith, who was a quarter uh, American Indian. He had argued that he should be able to use peyote in a Native American church ritual because he had done that and that act had cost him his job. And he had said that that should be protected under the First Amendment. And for those of you who don't know, the First Amendment reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I just thought that was really awesome. I don't know why I really wanted a robot to read that because it just, it sounds really dense. But essentially what it says is that the, the Congress shall basically not pass any laws that establish or that respect an established religion, that they won't prohibit freedom of speech and or uh, the right for people to peacefully assemble, which means this is like why you're allowed to protest or be in public. Basically what it's saying is that the Congress will pass no law that respects an establishment of religion. How can the Freedom of Religion Restoration Act not be against this? How? I'm a Christian and I'm a wedding cake designer. I don't want to help people who are gay because I'm a Christian and my religion denies or forebodes my ability to do so. All right, cool. We're Congress. We're going to make a law that says that you can do that. Doesn't that kind of sound like you're making a law that respects an established religion? Hmm, weird. I feel like that might be something that's important. I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. I also wanted to take some time to say that, you know, the people that make our laws have to abide by what it is that we want. If we want if we want the LGBTQ, which stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer community to be treated with respect and dignity, that means we have to fucking demand it. It means that when there's marches, you go. It means when there's protests, you support it. It means when there's an agency or a group that's helping people, you support them. You know why this is really fucking important to all my straight white friends out there who don't think it fucking matters to them? Because one day you might be in the minority. And when that fucking day comes, pray to God that or whoever it is that you believe in, that the people in power are being held in checks and balances by the people, the majority, so that you don't get oppressed. So the things you believe in don't become something that is illegal just because you believe in. The things that you want to do, the things that you care about, don't become illegal because that's the kind of stuff that's happening right now in the LGBT community, the LGBTQ community, is that because of the way that they live their life, because of who they are, they are being subjected to scrutiny, ridiculous assaults, blatant homophobia, anything that you think that is okay to treat people
people of this community, it is only a matter of time before you find yourself on the end of that sword. And I behoove you if you think for whatever small-minded, ridiculous reason that it is okay to do these things to people, I hope that you think about it and that it keeps you awake at night and that you can't go to sleep because you think of the fact that, yeah, you're in the majority and yeah, the laws are being made in your idea, in your ideal way now. But it is not too far off in the realm of belief to imagine a time where your ideas are scrutinized, where your ideas are made to believe are the things that are hurting children, that your ideas are the things that are making our country unsafe, and that you're part of the agenda, the Christian agenda, the straight white male agenda, and that it's you that's going to be the downfall of America. Because you know what? This is how the LGBTQ community lives their life every day. They have to be constantly exposed to this notion that because of them being who they are, that they are to blame for all the problems that you fucking have. I say enough. If you have a problem, I'm like shaking right now. I'm so upset. If you have a problem, it's time that you fucking just grow up and realize that you need to stop blaming other people for it. And if you're if you're scared, then maybe you should take a minute and put yourself in the shoes of a teenager in Louisiana who's thinking about telling their parents that they're gay, but they can't because their parents have openly bashed gay people. Think about that for a little bit. This podcast was a really serious one. It was because I just... Puts me in a bad mood just to think about all the people out there that are being dickheads just because they're ill-advised. I will say, though, on a happier note, positive now that I just got done berating you, that there are a lot of good things out there. There are a lot of good people. That's why I wanted to talk about pride a little bit and just the state of that in this country. The outpouring of support that came from Pulse, the outpouring of support that was at the Pride Festival here in Los Angeles was just inspiring. People loving each other, not being afraid of being themselves. And I think that it's really important in the United States, if we're going to continue to say that we're the best country on the fucking planet, that we learn to accept each other for who we are. I've had it pretty easy. Straight guy. White. I've never really had to worry, and yet I find myself haunted by the idea that there are people out there that are being treated badly just because of who they are. If you know somebody who's lesbian, gay, bi, trans, or queer, say reach out to them and tell them that you love them. Tell them you care. You never know if you might not get the chance. I thank God every day. I'm not really a huge religious person, but I, I thank the, the wizard in the sky for allowing me to have my brother and my friends in my life because I wouldn't be the same person without them. So this was a really serious episode, and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. I don't know why I did a Trump voice there. Gross. Anyways, I'm going to end with saying I really enjoyed this episode because I was able to reach out to a lot of my friends and family. I heard from a lot of people on social media just about what pride means to them, and it was really great. I really appreciate all the positive feedback. I do want to say I didn't get a chance to read everybody's quotes or everybody's statements just because there there was a few of them that were just I couldn't get to. Timing issues. But thank you to everybody that reached out to me. I'm going to continue to try to do cool stuff. I'm going to maybe try to figure out how to do more giveaways because I, I think that was really cool. In the meantime, though, check me out on Instagram, at Duncan and Stuff, on Twitter, at Duncan and Stuff. I've got a Facebook page, at Duncan and Stuff. And uh, give me a good rating on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher or whatnot. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, this was a really serious episode because it's a serious thing and I think it's important to talk about. So continuing the conversation on social media, why don't you go ahead and tell me what your experiences are in the gay community if you're... If you are in that community or maybe if you're somebody you know, you know, I'd love to have this conversation continue because I think it's really important that this month, that if, if no other time, we continue to try to open the lines of communication. If you've been treated badly, tell me your story. I want to hear from you. What's your story?
that's the best way to keep this podcast going is to continue the conversation when I'm not here, you know, in the social media sphere. Use social media for something other than just sharing dog and cat videos, you know. Tell me about your experiences. So thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys and gals, all the people out there uh, listening in the intersphere, the interweb. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll see you next week. This is Duncan and Stuff. My name's Duncan, and it's been fucking real.